Awesome, awesome. So glad to be back. Glad you guys uh, could join us. Uh, we were in Florida doing six parks in six days. Uh, that was the only uh, mistake that we had, that we thought that that would be a good idea. Uh, turns out it's not. So uh, if ever you're going to the parks, uh, leave some days to rest, six parks, six days. Uh, and by the sixth park, you're just praying it ends. Dear God, it's like torture by then. Though we loved it, we had a fantastic time. So we're glad to be back. Let's, uh, let's do our shouts. You guys ready? What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. And uh, I love you guys. So glad to see you this morning. Um, we're going to have right now a special moment of missions giving. We've been talking about it for the last few weeks. Um, and so if you're online in just a minute... I'm going to show a one-minute video, uh, and during that time, if you're online and you want to give online, go to uh, jerichoroad.church backslash give, and then you can drop down in the missions giving particular. And so everything that's given in this service right now is going to go towards our uh, Thailand partners. Uh, we have three partners that are they're there. Uh, we're going to send the money over to them, and if you're in person, uh, we set the basket here in the front. We're going to ask you to just uh, come up and drop your uh, missions giving that you've prepared in advance. Uh, for that. And so it's just a minute. This is that time. And uh, I'm excited to see what God's going to do. So uh, let's do this together as this uh, short one minute uh, video about our Thailand partners uh, just plays. Thank you guys for, uh, if you're giving online, uh, if you'd still like to give to that, we'll be taking it through the rest of today, and, uh, and we'll be sending out to our ministry partners. I'll let you know next week uh, how much uh, our, our church has uh, generously donated. So excited. I know ahead of time that God's going to do something powerful right there. What a powerful word last week from Pastor Peter, amen? Like, man, he's fantastic. Don't you guys agree? I love that guy, man. Uh, and he's handsome and young. Isn't that nice, huh? I think that was his self-props, right? <laughs> so uh, I, I loved how he showed us a picture of what being the, filled with the Spirit would look like, where, where he was talking about a person who's thankful, who, who, is, who is grateful for the things that are in their life, who, who cares for others, and, and who has a song in their heart. But what happens when that song is a dirge? What happens when the song of your heart is, is in a minor key? Where's the Holy Spirit when things are difficult? And I'm not talking about circumstantial difficulty, which sometimes I do. Where's the Holy Spirit when things are really difficult inside? When things are really dark and not joyful and 
full of apathy and sorrow and darkness. Look, there's a, there's a pandemic going on, and it's not just COVID. There's a pandemic of depression and anxiety and suicide in our country. I'm not sure you knew this, but in America, suicide has gone up 35% in the last 25, 20 years. So just since 2000, suicides among the general population up 35%. In fact, suicide is the 10th leading cause of death for all Americans. That's pretty shocking. The 10th leading cause. You want to hear something more shocking? In the age group of 10 to 34, which is probably over half of our group, suicide is the second leading cause of death. The second leading cause of death for 10-year-olds to 34-year-olds is people taking their own lives. Depression is at unseen levels. Anxiety is off the chart. Many people's solution is just to medicate it, either legally or illegally or hurt themselves physically in an attempt to alleviate the even greater pain that they're experiencing inside. Many people, if not most people, struggle with, at various times in their lives with, with self-doubt, with God-doubt, with insecurity and, and depression and being overwhelmed and frustrated and tired and, and wanting to end their own lives. Now this may shock you, but many of the great people of the Bible wrestled with depression and at, at times felt that they wanted to end their own lives. They felt too overwhelmed to continue on. Check out this list. Elijah, the, the great prophet Elijah says, I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors in 1 Kings. King David, the great King David, he confesses this. My eyes fail looking for your promise, and I say, when will you comfort me? Moses, yeah, that Moses, cries out, I can't carry these people by myself. The burden's too heavy for me. If this is how you're going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me. He's talking to God. If I've found favor in your eyes, and do not let me face this, um, uh, do not let me face my own ruin. Matriarch Rebecca admits this. Then Rebecca says to her husband Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of the Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among these women of the land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. King Solomon recalls it this way. So I hated life because the work that's done under the sun was grievous to me because all of it's meaningless. It's like a chasing after the wind. And I hated all the things that I had toiled for under the sun. So my heart began to despair over all the toilsome labor that was done under the sun. And the great apostle Paul, a beacon of hope, he shares this. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, past that breaking point, so that we despaired of life itself. Now, isn't it oddly helpful that, that just knowing that there's great people of the Bible struggled with this, for, for any of you who have ever struggled with depression or anxiety, thoughts that, that you didn't want to continue on in this world, man, isn't it kind of comforting knowing that the greatest people in the Bible, most of them struggled with the same kind of things? 
in our lives, it's at these very moments of struggle where the truth of God and the movement of the Holy Spirit are needed. Now, I'm not talking about this, and there's a little bit of a worry of talking about suicide and depression because you're like, well, I don't want to say that in church because what if my kids get some ideas? What if, my, what if the teenager, the 20-something, and you make it normal to talk about? Well, what's, what's the alternative? That they don't ever say anything. And see, that's one of the tricks of the devil. That the greatest trick in this area is he says that you're alone if you're dealing with this. He says, you dare not tell anybody else. You should be embarrassed of it. You should be ashamed. You can't possibly be a Christian if you have these thoughts. Well, look at all these people in the Bible who were Christians, and they had those thoughts. They couldn't handle their life. They were overwhelmed. They were in places of darkness sometimes internally. And so if we don't talk about it, that's a huge disservice. God didn't shy away from it. He didn't delete these parts out of the Bible. He said, this is your real life. So the enemy says that we, we shouldn't tell anybody. And the enemy says that nobody will understand and nobody's going through what you're going through. They can't relate to your pain. You should be embarrassed. You should be ashamed. But God doesn't see it that way. He included it in the scriptures and, and he showed us that, it, that that's part of the life that we now currently live. And that isn't how it was supposed to be. Prior to sin, we had perfected internal lives. There was no darkness inside. There was no, no overwhelmingness. There was nothing that, that swamped us too much. But then sin entered into the world and, and, and sin snatched away that perfect peace that was inside. So God provided the remedy. See, God became the remedy. King David answered his own doubt by saying this, this following truth. He says, even though I walk in the darkest valley, I won't fear evil, for you, God, are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me in the middle of what he's going through. You see, God in the Old Testament, he sent his spirit to comfort people and to care for those who were having internal problems. He sent angels, and he specifically sent his presence to lift them up on multiple occasions. And we find that this provision takes an exponential leap in the New Testament as Jesus Christ comes to earth, and he actually pays for the sin of the world. The, the root problem, which was sin that broke perfection, which broke the peace that we could have in, internally, Jesus comes and pays that price through his death and his resurrection. And then he goes a step further. Jesus says, you know what? That's really good, but I'm going to do something else for you because I know you're going to stay, even as a Christian, you stay in the world and, and the, you're still not perfected until you get to heaven. As a, when you're in heaven, you'll be perfect. But I'm not in heaven yet. I have Jesus, so I'm partly, like I know Jesus paid for my sins, yet I'm still here. And so Jesus said, since you're in that situation, I am going to send help. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to literally reside within you, to fill you up, as we saw last week, to take on the role of an advocate and a truth teller. And we're going to spend the, the remainder of our time on those two ideas. That the idea that the Holy Spirit is sent to us to be our advocate and to be our truth teller. Notice those two functions in the passage uh, where Jesus is recorded speaking these words in the passage in John. And Jesus says, I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another advocate to help you and to be with you forever. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away, actually. Unless I go away, the advocate won't come to you. 
But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove to the to the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because people don't believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer. And about judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Look, I've got much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. So we're seeing two functions here. The function, the first one is that he's going to be our advocate. If you have a different translation, it may say comforter. It may say helper. This word advocate comes from the Greek word uh, paraclete or parakletos. And that's a, that's a combo word. And the combo is para, which means from close beside, and kaleo, which means to call. So when we put these together, it's one who's close enough to you to make a good call in your life. One who's close enough to you to know what to say or what to do in whatever situation you find yourself in. So that's why sometimes it gets translated as a comforter. Someone who's so close that they could, they could speak words to you that will encourage you. That's why he's called the advocate. Someone who's so close to you that they can defend you. This kind of idea. And so sometimes this word is translated advocate, intercessor, counselor, comforter, or helper even. It's a, one who is close enough to hold me up. And I love this idea that the, the Holy Spirit comes and he is close enough. Actually, he's residing inside and he's close enough to hold me up. Nearness is necessary to hold, hold us up. Imagine if you, you've seen those trust falls where someone stands up and they fall back and you catch them, right? Imagine a trust fall, but the people were 15 feet away that were going to catch them. That's not a trust fall. That's a trust fail, right? They will just fall onto the, or it's just called a fall. You can't catch them if you're 15 feet away. You can only hold them up if you're near to them. Like that song. What's that song go? Lean on me when you're not strong, and I'll be your friend. What's that? I'll help you carry on. That's right. Can you lean on someone that's 15 feet away? Not very well. The Holy Spirit is near to us, and he's leanable. And he's there to comfort us and to take care of us. A near helper is exactly who Jesus promises to send, the Holy Spirit. When in life do I really need a near helper? When in, in my real life do I need God to be right there? I need God to be right there when I'm hurting when I'm struggling, when I'm failing and flailing and I can't figure it out, that's when I need the Holy Spirit to help me internally. When I feel despair and sorrow and darkness and, and apathy, when the voices are strong against me and my own voice piles on and tells me that I'm useless and meaningless and, and no good. I need help when I can't continue out on my own. And that's exactly the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. When life is overwhelming, it's the Spirit who speaks to our souls. It's the Spirit who comes alongside, who keeps us from falling. It's the work of God the Spirit when the psalmist writes this. Dial in on this verse. Maybe you've never seen this one. It may blow your mind. Look at what the psalmist write about God the Spirit. He says, unless the Lord had given me help, I would soon have dwelt in the silence of death. He said, I'd have died or killed myself. 
when I said, my foot is slipping. Your unfailing love, Lord, supported me. When anxiety was great within me, your consolation brought me joy. And that's exactly the work of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, there are some incredibly powerful, relevant words in that passage right there. Now, when my foot was sleep, slipping, I thought I was going to go to the place of silence. But God, you held me up. Through Jesus, we have access to the comforter, to the advocate, the Holy Spirit. This is the clear teaching of Scripture that this kind of relationship with the Spirit is available. The problem is that the lies of the enemy often cloud out the voice of the Spirit in our lives. See, there are very, there are very clear things that God the Spirit says and does, and there are very clear things that the enemy or the devil says and does. In addition to being an advocate and comforter, we see the second part of the Spirit's role in our life is to be a truth teller. This is critically important because what's the enemy's number one attribute? He is a liar. And so there will be inside of us or you or maybe some of your friends this conflict where God says one truth and the enemy says a lie. And often the enemy, the lies cloud out the truth of God. And one of the the great parts about the Holy Spirit is He speaks truth to us. And this is key. Because whenever I have a, uh, a chance to be with someone who's really hurting, and I'm talking cutting themselves, want to kill themselves, want to hurt other people, can't get out of it, feel like the, there's no way out, claustrophobic, the world's collapsed on them. Whenever I have a chance to be with those people, what I always try to do is I help this... If, they, if they're not believers, got to tell them about Jesus. If they're believers, though, who are struggling with that, I think that's where most of us find ourselves as believers, if you've been struggling. What I try to say is I help them see the truth of the Spirit versus the lies of the enemy. And once you can start to think about it, it starts to become so clear. So the thought that this pain will never go away, that's a lie. The Bible says there's new mercy every day. Maybe, maybe they have this narrative in their mind that I'm unloved and I'm unseen on this planet. That's the lie. Because the truth is God sees you and he knows every hair on your head and he still loves you. They say, well, nobody, um, nobody likes me. Well, God, God is three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's three persons that like you. So stop, you already got three friends. How much more? As an adult, I have two friends that I ever see. I, can't, I don't have time for any more. I have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I got six, I got my wife, got some kids. I'm, I got too many people in my life already, you know? So three people for sure. Maybe, not, maybe, maybe your mom and dad don't like you. Maybe your brother and sister don't like you. Maybe your friends don't like you. But I guarantee you, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit like you. They love you. They want to be with you. They're like calling you up all the time. And you're the one like, no, 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 how cool are you, right? He said, no to the Holy Spirit. He want to hang out with you. Jesus says, behold, I'm standing at the door and knock. I want to come and have fellowship with you. I want to eat with you. And you're like, uh, no, because I want to hang out with Michelle or whatever, like whatever, right? There are three people who absolutely love you, so that is a lie that nobody loves you. Maybe you say life has no meaning. This is a half lie. 
It is true, life has no meaning without God. But with God, life has freedom and purpose. Maybe I, I can't handle everything that's going on. It's too much. That's a lie. The truth is the Holy Spirit says that we got this. It's because you're not doing it alone. God the Spirit is with you. And he says, we've got this. No matter what pressure you think you're facing, we've got this. When the devil whispers that you should quit, he never tells you the cost. I stole that one from Rick Warren. Thanks, Rick. When the devil whispers to you to quit, to leave, to kill yourself, he never tells you the cost. These lies and half-truths can destroy us inside, can cause deep spirals which, which feel insurmountable. That's why the truth's so important. See, like, like light dispels darkness, truth dispels lies. This is why Christians talk about knowing your true identity in Christ, why that's really important. Because if I know the truth of who I am in God, if I know that God loves me and he saved me and he holds me secure and he thinks that I am precious, it doesn't matter what, what Kenny thinks about me. If I know that the God of the universe created me on purpose, for a purpose, it doesn't matter what some girl in fifth period called you zit-faced fat girl. It doesn't matter if someone said that or said that you're so ugly or you're so dumb or you're not smart or you're not cool. It doesn't matter if the God of the universe says, you are precious, I wrote you on my hand, I love you eternally, I will never turn from you, I created you fearfully and wonderfully, I think you're beautiful. Who cares what some girl in fifth period says? See, that's the lie. Let me use that lie of some nobody. Or like online, some person said something on your Instagram and you don't even know them. That's a lie of the enemy. Lie versus truth. And turn to God the Holy Spirit and he'll say, I love you. You're wonderful. You're amazing. You got this. We got this because I'm with you. That's the importance of knowing our identity in Christ. If you know the truth of who you are, then you can stand secure. Knowing the truth, like not just knowing it, but really knowing it and, and believing it and accepting it deep down. See, there's stuff that we mentally agree to, but we're not, we're not feeling. This is one that you've got you've to bring to the core of who you are. The Bible calls that, that core place your, your heart, where you take your emotions, you take your thoughts, you take your spiritual experiences, and you, that the core of you is called your heart. In America, we use heart as an emotional center, but that's not how the Bible talks about heart. Heart is the core you, the decision maker. That's the place that has to hear that your identity is in Christ, that Christ paid for your sins, he loves you, and you are, you are unique and wonderfully made and irreplaceable. If that can get to the center of where you are, then the lies become muted. Then the light dispels the darkness. And that identity is supported and cheered on and championed always by the Holy Spirit who indwells every single believer. The Holy Spirit brings that truth to defeat the lies. So in our real lives, this is a real struggle. And my prayer to you guys is that you, that you hear the truth 
of the hope that the Holy Spirit brings. I pray that you take deep into your soul like this, this truth. Maybe, maybe you need it today. I think there's people in our church, maybe, I don't know, maybe five or ten, that need this absolutely today. But maybe you're going to need it in three months. And maybe you're going to need it in a year. And maybe there are some people in your life that need you to know it so you could share it with them. And so I want us to hear this truth. And I want to allow it to set in our hearts. and to See, it starts here. And then we agree to it mentally. And then we think it's kind of true. And I want you to allow the truth of the Scripture and the God's Word to penetrate to the very center of who you are. Because remember, being filled with the Spirit brings a song to our heart. It brings us a gratefulness for life. And, and, and it brings love in us. And the Spirit lifts us from the mire of despair, exchanging hope for hopelessness and, and life for death and light for darkness. He's our advocate and our truth. So let's pause a minute before we worship and just allow this to soak in however you need to do that. Whether you've got to pray, whether you've got to cry, whether you've got to confess, to say, God, I need your truth to get to the center of me. That you are my comforter. You are so near I can lean on you. When I can't go on, we can go on together. Allow that to soak in and take a moment to pray. And I'm praying that the Spirit would stamp His truth right now on your heart. And then we're going to worship.